Welcome to the podcast, Life Lessons from Travels Off the Beaten Path. Hi, my name is Justine Murray, and I'm also known as Lighter Step Justine, as we strive to step lightly across the earth and only leave footprints. This podcast is about the life lessons I've learned as a traveler, particularly when I decided to step off the beaten path. Mostly this occurred in the non-digital era when there was no internet or mobile phones. My sometimes bizarre and always unforgettable adventures around the globe, often as a solo woman traveller, gave me great insight into living a fulfilled life, blessed with all my senses, to enjoy the wonders the world has to offer. From wildlife encounters, to midnight crashes, to dodging stalkers and trekking with tribes, to travelling with a child and around work commitments. I will entertain you with my stories and what each adventure has taught me, along with some general travel and life wisdom along the way. I also will be bringing in other travellers who can captivate us with their own travel stories and the life lessons they have learned. So tune in to me each week and let's get entertained with travel. Right, thanks for joining me again. Now today, this episode is episode 35, so... Being that, that means I do something a little bit different and I give, talk about advice or some, um, and give some tourist tips. And today I thought it was really appropriate to talk about visiting Indigenous communities or First Nation communities and what we need to be aware of and you know, let's discuss this in the pros and cons of Indigenous tourism and you know, answer that question, should we really be visiting Indigenous communities? Are we doing more damage by visiting them or are we helping them? And that's a catch twenty two. It's it's there's two sides to every coin, and I thought I would spend this episode discussing that. You know, especially since in the last few episodes I've been telling you about some of the the tribes, the Maasai tribe and the Samburu tribe that I've been I, I w- was going to see uh, on a frequent basis, and actually staying there and spending time with doing their everyday activities with them and trekking with them and having a fantastic time. But what was that impact on that community? So let's um, dive into this. So ever since Indigenous communities were discovered from hundreds of years ago, people have been interested in them for all sorts of reasons. You know, you look first, you look at Africa and you look at the missionaries and they would go in and establish themselves into indigenous tribes and live with them. But their main goal was to convert them to, to Christianity and basically change their ways. So they considered them as heathens and heathen religion. 
and they wanted to, you know, they brought education, they brought uh, health and, and, and did that, but they also tried to stop them with their own religions and just to look at Christian religion. And this also happened in the, all the other continents where the explorers, you know, you look back at the, the Aztec and the Mayan and the Spanish coming through and taking advantage of them and, and through many things, even, even as far back as the colonial times with the, the English, the Spanish, many of the countries in Europe taking over countries, just turning up at a country and just taking over and claiming it was their country. Uh, when there was already tribes living there, so that's a that's an extreme form. So, but so that doesn't happen anymore. But are the First Nation people protected? There's a lot more interest in going out and seeing them, and experiencing their cultures and witnessing their cultures. But there's many levels to that. And some of them include just turning up for an hour or two and just observing their village and a collection of the inhabitants of that village and looking at the trinkets they've made and, and buying trinkets. And that was it. And that was very similar to my Maasai, my first Maasai experience in the Maasai Mara was we went to this Maasai village and we weren't allowed to go in the village, but we were allowed to look at their beaded jewellery and buy their jewellery. And that was that was the, the sum total of their visit. And to me, it was very satisfying and all, and that's led me to, to actually find my own experiences and actually immerse myself into the culture. But generally, that's what most people get. And the Maasai are one of the are famous for it that, you know, they got a lot of attention because they're very tall, proud race, uh, good looking with their, um, you know, their Marani, their warriors and their red cloth and their beads and their dancing and their, you know, their jumping and their dancing. And it's all very... Uh, so different that people really liked that. So it's caused a few problems, as in these people that you know, the Maasai, they would get these ridiculous amounts of money, which I've mentioned in previous episodes, like $20 or so just to take a photo, because all people want is a photo opportunity with some natives or some tribal people. And $20, the time I was there, was a month's salary. And so all they had to do was pose and smile, or not even smile, for five minutes, and they got a month's salary. So, of course, guess, you know, guess what happened? These people stopped working. The, people, the, the women and children spent their time making the trinkets, and the men didn't work. 
and that's the sort of unfortunately that's the the result of what tourism can do and that's a it's an extreme result but it is i've seen it firsthand and i've know it has happened in um in thailand did with the hills people with their brass rings around the neck that the same thing the women would just put these brass rings on would collect the money and the men wouldn't do anything and the unemployment was you know in the 90 percent plus and all because the tourists were looking for these photo opportunities so the disadvantages of visiting these indigenous tribes is you know sometimes they get very it becomes over commercialized so a tribe is sought after by tourists people know what they want to see and that's what they want to see so sometimes even if the tribe has moved on they still put on these traditional garb just for the tourists and it just becomes a, a commercial adventure and it loses its connection with the culture and the land you know often it's seen as you know, people are going to see this culture and they're just looking in they're observing so it's like a you know in a way inverted commas human zoo you know they see them as uncivilized tribal potentially savages because they don't have western uh, mannerisms and it's exactly like visiting a zoo and this happens around the globe with the indigenous communities the other thing as i mentioned you know the selling of these trinkets and that they become they it creates a mass production of these trinkets and souvenirs such as masks and other small things that tourists can buy and these original pieces were made for a, a reason a custom or some cultural significance but then they with all this mass production they lose their cultural connection and that's a real shame because i found with my travels just finding out what you know the stories behind these these creations the 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 paintings the the carvings and all that is 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 an, um, an amazing these stories uh, and then when they make these mass productions there's no stories so there's no culture you know we're all looking for that perfect photo opportunity but are we really capturing what's happening with the tribe today and another thing is are we protecting them by visiting them so there's often some sacred sites heritage sites and we have lots of tourism what's going to happen these these sites are going to be are going to suffer from the impact of all these this tourism all these these people turning up here because the people just want you know a souvenir of that you know if, take for example in australia uluru airs rock 
it's a heritage site and it's a sacred site for the local Aboriginal communities there, the Indigenous communities. And so they asked people to stop climbing it because it was, it was a big thing to climb Ayers Rock. But they asked them not to climb it because it was sacred. And it actually has worked that people have stopped, uh, were slowing down. And now it's got the point that it's actually, uh, you're not permitted to climb Ayers Rock anymore. It's been closed. Uh, and that's as a, that's a great thing that actually they're trying to protect the rock because all these people climbing it, it was eroding away much more and and uh, damaging the sacred site. And so what's happening to other places? You know, you look at the Amazon and all the people going in there. Uh, how much damage is that doing to it? You know, the Amazon forest is such a fragile system. How is that? How is that being impacted on? But we also got to look at it from the positive side. Now, Indigenous tourism does a lot for the local communities. So it can provide sustainable economic opportunities. A lot of these communities are quite poor. And a lot of these communities do want to improve their life and their lifestyle. They do want to have enough to feed their families to and to prosper like everyone else in the world. You, they, they want to do well and create some sort of income to provide for their family and, and even get some luxuries. not quite what Western society thinks is luxuries, but even so they just make sure that they've got a house, electricity, power, heat. And also education, that so they can afford to send their kids to school. So the kids can end up having a, a better life than them, that they're not always struggling with life. So it can create employment. They, yeah, these days there's a lot more Indigenous run or Indigenous led tourism. So you actually, the money you're paying is actually going straight into that community, which is, which is really good. It also, Bringing tourists to a Indigenous community expands the awareness of those cultures. So people can learn and when they learn about the culture, they have a much more respect for the culture. And then they are more likely to protect it and look after it themselves. And learning about a culture and learning to respect the culture also gives people much more awareness of other cultures and a much more global acceptance of other cultures. It also teaches people on the values of Indigenous communities and their connection to the land with their culture, with 
a lot of Indigenous communities have oral histories and so they have stories and tell stories and so these these connections, these stories connect to the land and, you know, what is special to them. And if people learn these stories and it can actually create an interest in their culture and which will provide, uh, once again, bring in more money for the community, allowing themselves to improve themselves. All right, so I mentioned these pros and cons and don't get me wrong, I love to visit Indigenous communities and First Nation communities And immerse myself in to actually go there. So, and that's that's the important thing is how you go about it. There's some communities who do not want any contact with the Western world, and sometimes you can understand why. And so, you have to respect those rights. So, a few of those um, the last Amazon Amazonian tribes that do not want contact. Well. It should not be forced. It's, if they want contact, then that's fine. But we shouldn't be trying to um, make contact if, if they don't want to. If, they, if they're avoiding any contact, well, respect their wishes. If they don't want you turning up at their village, respect their, their wishes. There are quite a few now ethical and responsible tour companies that will go, will, will take you to Indigenous areas and practice Indigenous tourism, but they they do it ethically and responsibly. And a lot of that is the immersing in the culture by doing homestays where you actually go to a village and you stay at least one night or more and spend time with the family. and. This allows much more income to come in, but actually also, it actually allows you to really see how these villages exist in, in the real world, you know, today's real world. And you get to experience that and, and even join in in that. And that's some of the stuff that I, I did with the, the Maasai and the Samburu when I actually went and found ones that weren't, having tourists all around them. So they still were living a, a relatively normal life. Uh, unfortunately, the, the Maasai were still quite, were still impacted by the tourism and happy to take handouts. But the, the Samburu at the time were still a very independent tribe and I was able to go out and see what you you know how they lived and 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 experience some of their customs 
and ceremonies, etc. And see the real, the, you know, the real thing that was happening as part of their culture. It wasn't put on as a as a show. It was what actually was happening, and I just happened to be the only one there from the Western culture experiencing it. Of course, me being there also impacts on them because they see me as a representative of the. Western world, the Western culture, I remember the girls would look at me and you could see they looked at me in wonder but also with total disconnection because they could not, they couldn't even compare themselves to me because here was this white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes and had absolute freedom. I had no male dictating what I was going to do. And I was traveling the world and I could do whatever I want. And these tribes I was at was very, very patriarchal. So the males were the the head of the group, head of the tribe. I grew up in a maternal household, so I was used to being uh, the females were quite strong. And these were patriarchal. And so these women and these girls had no choice. They knew they were getting married very young. They knew they they knew their lot in life. They had no choice really. And I believe it's got a lot better these days. They got more money has come into the communities. They have got more schools. They're getting more educated. The girls would not get educated or they only get educated to like grade four and then they had to go out and help the mothers. Uh, now they're staying a lot longer and there's a lot more, there's a brighter future for them in, in, in a way. But I recall when they were looking at me and I remember the, some of the males would say to me, this is throughout Africa. Uh, he said, you must be very rich. And I said, no, I'm not actually. Well, why? And he said, oh, you must be rich because you travel all the time or the government sponsors you. And they couldn't under, they couldn't fathom that I would work my butt off to save money so that I could travel and then and then I travel, and then when I ran out of money, I'd stop and save again. Of course, you know I was able to earn a lot of money because of you know, my privilege of being white. But they couldn't—they couldn't get their heads around it that you could earn that much money. Uh, and uh, I found that hard. They always thought I was—I um, was sponsored. The other thing I mentioned in the last episode was you know the question of customs and you, you'll come across a lot of customs and some of them feel quite exotic and some of them can be questionable but do we have the right to judge you know who are we to judge in all this now we're coming to this this area we're coming into their communities and it's not a zoo these are human beings. These are these are just like you and I. So we should treat them like respect, not not as 
objects to stare at, but you know, to interact with and to enjoy learning from them, learning, learning about their culture. Now, sometimes the customs can question human rights and human rights is important. But as I suggested in the last episode, we need to really consider some of these customs that may question human rights and say, well, find out the reason behind these rights, that, that these, these customs. What are they actually trying to, what are they trying to, um, oh, I forgot the word I'm trying to say, uh, to achieve and how, what else can be put in its place? such as, you know, the, the female circumcision. Can we take that out because it does question the human rights of a female? And can we put something else in like, you know, the schooling? Can they reach a certain level of schooling as part of their initiation into womanhood? It's a, it's a really tough one because You've got societies such as patriarchal, these societies that don't always like the women to be so educated so they can, um, uh, they won't question the male right in inverted commas there. Uh, but, yeah, the world is changing. The world is changing everywhere. One other thing we... It's very important when we're considering Indigenous tourism, such as including, this is also the same within, with um, wildlife and threatened wildlife, is what are we bringing into these communities? Are we healthy? Do we have cold? Do we have a disease? We could have things that we're carrying we're not even aware of. Uh, and these can these can actually play havoc with these communities who have not built up a resistance for them. What, are, what sort of customs are we showing them? How are we dressing that is respectful to their culture? We need to be aware of this because a cold can devastate a First Nation community if they haven't got the the immunity from that, you know, with COVID these days, when COVID happened in Australia, the any trips to Indigenous communities uh, was banned for nearly a year to try and protect the vulnerable Indigenous communities and their uh, and their immunity. So. We, we, we have to make sure we're not bringing in these, any diseases, any weeds or anything like this from our shoes, any, anything that will impact on their livelihoods. We need to respect their culture we need to research 
what they do, what they wear. So if the women cover themselves, then you too must cover yourself if you're a female. If they cover their arms or if they wear long skirts, then you too must wear that. There's nothing worse than I've seen this, that you go to, say, a Muslim village and Jews coming in with short shorts and bikini tops. And I just think that's extremely disrespectful of that culture. And it gives it gives us a bad name. It gives us, you know, foreign you know, we're the foreigners. It gives us a bad name that you know we are disrespectful, we're rude. And so many ways we can stop that by just just dressing appropriately, having the right mannerisms and just having our ourselves open to the experience, open to interact and share and learn. Not to talk, but to listen and to learn. And you can learn so much. These people have been living on the land for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years. And they have such a oral knowledge and we could learn so much from them. Even, even us, you know, my, my, I'm a scientist. We can learn so much of how they look after the land, how they practice fire management, for example. How they practice water management and, and resources. They had the First Nation Australians were growing crops in what we now know as desert and we can't do that. So if you're going to go to Indigenous places and practice Indigenous tourism, just stop. Respect. Learn. And behave accordingly. Okay, so... Next episode, I get back into my travels where I start thinking about leaving Kenya and uh, I'll catch you that time. Bye for now. Like always, I want to leave you with a thought to consider. What is your environmental and cultural footprint when you travel? How are you showing up to the country and the culture you are showing up with to make a better interaction for all concerned? Leaving the environment as you found it. Reducing your impact on local resources and cultures to come out with such a positive outlook for both the local population and environment and yourself. Okay, please follow my podcast if you're enjoying what you are hearing and share it to others so they too may be inspired. I will catch you next time.